Now when the MCs came to live out the name And to get you perform some head, some cocaine To act safe, to perform beef, rock it off Now all of the mental planes to spark the brain With the building to be born Boy, boy you sharp boy Look at the face on you boy Welcome everyone, you're listening on WMBR 88.1, this is Break the Boxes, my name is Lemma, and I'm Azmira, and I'm Lian, and today we are really excited and fortunate to have Aisha Upchurch on, and Azmira, can you kick it off with a nice intro? Yes, 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 I can. Greetings, everyone. So good to be back for our third episode for BTV Stories. And we are joined today um, by the fabulous trailblazer, seed planter, soil agitator, <laughs> queen, healer, conductor, mover, shaker, um, Aisha Upchurch, who I had the privilege to learn from my, my last semester here at Harvard in a class that I will forever be talking about, telling all four corners of the world called Can't Stop, Won't Stop, Understanding and Embracing Hip-Hop Pedagogy. So, um, yes, yeah, so a little bit about, as you all know, BTV stories, we are deep diving into discussions that matter to center the why behind and the spirit behind what brings um, different artists, activists, scholars to their work, particularly within our Black community, but we're also thinking about our reach across diaspora. So as you know, um, I grew up in Hawaii. Um, my father is Black. I identify as a Black woman. My mother is Palestinian-American. Um, Lemma talks a little bit about her identity as a Palestinian-American. And Lean is bringing so many things as, um, well, who is Lebanese, if I'm not mistaken? And so we're, our, our goal and vision is to um, begin to deep dive into ways that our liberation is so interconnected intertwined and what better way to do that than to talk and lift up the work um, that is being done, um, particularly among black folk right now um, in the world. So Asia Upchurch, AKA the dancing diplomat, identifies as a seed planter, soil agitator, and curious and passionate artist. Professionally, this translates to her work as a dancer, choreographer, instructor, and education consultant who is committed to social inclusion, artistry development, and transformative education. Youth advocacy and hip hop culture runs through her work as an artist and educator. While based out of Washington, DC, she founded and directed the award-winning dance ensemble Life, Rhythm, and Move Project. In 2007, she was commissioned by the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts to create Am I On? evening-length hip-hop work that explored the space between youth and adult voices, standardized testing, and school shootings. The work exemplified her commitment to use hip-hop dance to entertain, educate, and empower. Aisha and her company went on to win two Metro DC Dance Awards for the innovative work that used youth interviews as part of the score. Her work also led to a performance at the White House and her selection as a US State Department cultural envoy in dance in Bolivia, 
Honduras and Guatemala. She has been around the block, y'all, <laughs> and it just keeps getting better. Asia holds an MA in International Peace and Conflict Resolution from American University, and blending this with her training and advanced youth development, she designs and facilitates conflict resolution workshops for youth. Additionally, she served as the Associate Director of Cool Schools at VSA Massachusetts for three years, working at the intersection of arts integration and special education. She developed and facilitated coaching and professional development protocols and programs to train arts and general education teachers to design and implement more equitable and inclusive teaching and learning environments. She's a sought after presenter, facilitator, artist, spoken at national conferences about artfully designing classrooms centered around equity and cultural relevance, the importance of movement in education. She's a TEDx speaker, Aisha received her EDM from Harvard Graduate School of Education and remained connected with the community as a teaching fellow. Um, she was the inaugural artist in residence with the Arts and Education program, exploring the pedagogical implications of cross-disciplinary artistic collaboration, community dance ciphers, and hip-hop pedagogy. And in 2018, she joined the faculty at HGSC, continuing her efforts to elevate and advocate for hip-hop education and movement in the classroom. Additionally, this past fall, I believe was the fourth annual Hip Hop X, um, a collaborative lab for high school and graduate students to experience, explore, and experiment with hip hop arts and education, which I was so honored to be a part of and to witness. So um, without further ado, <laughs> we are going to welcome in Aisha into conversation. Um, welcome sis, it's so good to have you here. <laughs> Thanks. Yo, like seriously, a round of applause for you for reading what has to be the world's longest, <laughs> most ridiculous bio. I'm sitting here writing a note to myself. Update website bio ASAP. Let's get us some hashtag soundbite Twitter length, one Twitter thread length uh, versions. No, but thank you. There have been some updates, but the, at the heart of that, y'all, I'm a human. I eat, sleep, and pee like everybody else. I'm somebody's daughter. I'm somebody's sister, somebody's auntie, somebody's friend. I'm a human. I'm a joy ambassador. Uh, and um, I'm the dancing that. diplomat. I'm my own title, and I take me and my title where their fitting sandboxes to play in um and so i'm just excited to be invited to this um this lovely this lovely show with so many amazing people um and see what we chat about yes oh thank you for that i'm like all right sound bites and sandbox yes just dancing in different sandboxes um i one thing i love well well even just tying in this the principle of why it's important to talk about the work that one does and i just i love that bio i'm like i could because every single thing i'm like yep i've seen her do this i've seen this i've seen this and as a woman and as a black woman it's like sometimes we there is so much that's done and it's done behind the scenes you know and and yeah. i know you know and, and and where is the credit right giving credit where credit is due and so i i'm like sis keep adding to it <laughs> so people so folks <laughs> No, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, it's so imperative. Well, in that case, what you didn't say was. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm like, let us know, because listen, there's something you got going. Do you want to just let us know what, what, what you are working on currently, right? Because I, I, um, I want to talk a little bit about Hip Hop X and, and why that work matters. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and, and also how you are 
cultivating your joy in a COVID, in the COVID world in reality, which you were so great at. I remember you celebrated your birthday, welcoming, yo, you were ahead of the game <laughs> with this. No, that was more like the universe was like, listen here, shorty, um, this might be the last opportunity <laughs> you're gonna have to be out here traveling and high-fiving people and wearing lipstick in public or not, but just showing your lips in public. Um, and then the world shut down. So I, either I, I was the straw that broke the camel's back or the universe was like, you're going to need to, to remember that you did have some fun with people you love because things are about to change drastically. So um, I'm trying to frame it that way. <laughs> Go ahead, Limma. <laughs> I just wanted to say that when you had mentioned that you were 40 in my head, I immediately was like, well, she does not look that old. And then the second you started to tell me her whole log of mm -hmm. things she's accomplished, I'm like, thank God you're 40. Because mm -hmm. if you were in your 20s and you had that much done, I would just leave the room and be like, okay, I have not accomplished mm -hmm. nearly as much. But oh. I'm so excited to have you on here. Like, you know, a big part of this is like break the box of stories. And like, we really play on this idea of ciphers and like conversations that build off of each other. And storytelling is really just that. And so I'm so excited for you to delve deep and into like your journey yeah. So, yeah thanks for being on thanks for having me thanks for having me also like um i'm really excited to be 40. it also cracks me up <laughs> i don't know when you're young like i'm the youngest of four right which is a really huge important part of my life and understanding that we all have stories and lives that we get to author like we're in the author seat um, and, and me coming every day, I even feel like, especially this year has opened up the opportunity to really understand what it's like to be in the author seat versus the victim seat. Mm -hmm. um, though, you know, experience highs and lows, but um, you know, when you're little, my brother's 10 years older than me. And I swear though, it makes no sense. I feel like he was the oldest person I knew though. Obviously my parents had to be older than him, but like parent age mm -hmm. is some whole other upside down universe but like humans that I'm like growing up with I'm like oh my god so like when my brother turned 40 I was like holy crap you're the oldest person on the planet <laughs> you think that's so far away um, but it's not but I um one of the things that's just important is to stay working around young people because I mean if anything this world can show us right now is that old people can suck me included because you get set into your ways and that's been such an important part of my journey, um, of my learning, of, of my growth, is to stay connected with young people, um, best teachers on the planet, period. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, look, I feel like there's a lot that I, 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 I could have been doing even sooner, mm. yet also I'm, I embrace my journey, my story, my path, and every every day like um I was working with a coach and like there's a question that I ask myself every day is like what can I do today with what I have from where I am mm -hmm. um some days that's yeah. <laughs> it is if I if I had the ability to swivel my camera around y'all would see that like I got all my like quotes I got all it looks at me um and it's also a reminder to go like the world is a lot it always has been a lot 
in some ways it feels like an extreme of, amount of a lot right now because it is so new and there's so many ways that we just don't have to contextualize or to or to categorize what we're feeling by previous experiences um, but I also had to remind myself I don't know if this is more than it was 50 years ago for folks who were striving and fighting then I actually I don't know and I don't seek to compare um, and then so with that uh, we can get into this like the 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 mantle the problematic uh expression trope fill in the blank of the strong black woman mm. it's such a slippery slope because without thinking that i'm trying to hold that up i have found myself by evidence of of behavior of how i conduct my life feeling like i've got to figure out everything on my own mm. and so to me to ask myself that question what can i do today with what i have from where i am is also like how can i take care of myself today um with mm -hmm. how I feel, where I am. And sometimes it's like, you know, just roll around and dance in the living room a little bit longer <laughs> or look at that to-do list and then give yourself a lot of grace and, if it's, and permission to go, really that 10 point to-do list is really three today. Mm -hmm. And not in like a surrender the white flag, like you fail, but like, that's what you can do. You can do three things, but mm -hmm. if you try to do 10 and you fall short, you do not feel mm -hmm. like you've, taking care of yourself. So I think about that question in terms of like what it is to, to push me to get more focused in like the then the professional or like the work endeavors, but also in like taking care of self. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I ask myself that every day and especially when I'm not physically feeling well, mm -hmm. it means I get to send an email to folks that says, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And I don't need to tell them the whole nine yards, but all I can do today is tell you I'm not not thinking about it but i need to rest so i'm i'm a work in progress and i like i like being in progress on that mm. that's um some snapshots of now uh ciphering with uh um childhood sessioning with the future as you're as you're talking i mean you touched on so many just fruitful fruitful full things in terms of ways that you've, you've, you've reckoned with um, this problematic trope of the strong black women in ways that that dehumanizes in many ways, right? Like there's this idea that, that the independent and Bell Hooks talks about like the independent, you know, woman and all about love and communion of female search for love, ways that that's harmful because to be human means we need to love and be loved. But often when we, when we carry that, I, you know, I can do that all by myself and I'm independent and I got everything, you know, that I need so as to to protect or to right, protect rightfully so from the the harm that is constantly, you know, coming our way sometimes um, can also be be hurtful to ourselves. So I just want to lift up um, that that principle that you're that you're touching on. And you mentioned that you're the youngest of four, I believe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen. I have a family. Like I don't know how you all's families are. I love my family. Um, my 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 stepfather who passed six years ago. He called our family the big tent family because mm. like we're all up under the tent. You could be in some kind of way. You got half siblings. You got step siblings. You yeah. got you got cousins yeah. <laughs> who ain't got no shared DNA with you, but you cousins. That's you right. know, you got aunties. You got uncles. They, nobody actually can donate blood to save each other's life, but <laughs> but they're all in in there. So 
Um, I, I feel like growing up, I didn't think that I had a big family because some of my friends, they were like, they had lots of siblings and lots more aunties and uncles. But um, of my mother and my father, of William and Marsha, there are four of us, Adon, Adana, Alana, and Aisha. Hey, and hey, then hey, I, hey. yeah, <laughs> boom, boom. And our last name is Upchurch. So um, it's the, um, that's the, what's the, ele on the elemental chart, uh, that's from Aura. That's the, you know, AU is gold. So, you know, oh, I was born golden, baby. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all welcome. Is, all right. 24 karat magic in the air. No, so that's you. That's it. That's where it comes from. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, being born the youngest of four, north side of St. Louis, um, into a family that had a very strong sense of our African diasporic um, kind of family are the collectivity. That's why I have play cousins, aunties that I didn't realize weren't blood until like okay. later in life. Okay, um, but I we, you, was know, just, you know, I, I'm like, hold up, okay. <laughs> that wasn't I, just, you know. <laughs> no, and I feel I, like that's, I feel like that happens in a lot of cultures. Um, where you know there's family and then there's there's family with by blood and there's family through i don't it's not water it's something else yeah. it's something else it's you know chosen, chosen or called you know because mm -hmm. you know so i just grew up into this whole community of um uh black folks working class middle class um, all the kids hanging out, singing and farming songs about our black identity, you know, parents who are a little bit revolutionary, um, loved us. And so, you know, I know the world with music and dance inherently, like I don't know the world without it. It's literally, you know, the reason why it's important to say I'm fourth born because whatever my older siblings were into, that's what, what I was going to be into. So the story of Asia is very much connected to my roots and like, literally, you know, so mm. if the cutoff age to join a program was eight, but I was six and my other siblings were over eight, then, you know, I had to play eight for three years because <laughs> there's no, where's, there was no rolling solo. <laughs> if the children were close enough together to fudge it, we fudged it. So I was eight for a few years, which is confusing when you both know what your age is but you got to tell other people or something else and you're literally the size of a of a smurf so everybody knows you're not eight like <laughs> let it go but i love all of that like i to me that was so foundational all the degrees that i've gotten is cool but all of that to me really still informs grounds um and drives how i think about the importance of intergenerational spaces of spaces where young people can sit in an observational posture and learn from their elders but also spaces where young people are building creating multi-directionally mm -hmm. um you know and so all of that being eight for three years <laughs> being you know with the older siblings um being with real aunties and uncles and fictive ones that all to me still beyond all the degrees and, and the debt that I've accumulated acquiring them. Um, to me is why I don't believe in this dichotomy of formal and informal learning. Um, 
Uh, I think it's problematic and it's just a product of the institution trying to say what counts as intellect, what counts as learning, what counts as, as what counts, what counts as counting. When I can say those things that I learned from birth into the world in the community um, have stayed with me longer than the classes that I have on lots of transcripts with good grades where I remember none of the content mm -hmm. and I have all of the debt. <laughs> we just keep saying that. But I don't have, I have no fiscal debt to, to what I learned in those communities. And if anything, to think about like, you know, from Dick Gregory's standpoint, I didn't grow up broke. We might have not had no money, but we weren't broke. We were wealthy and abundant right. in the things that really keep pushing forward. So, and all the things that I try to keep pushing forward now that formative upbringing that uh, my upbringing is very inform informative formative mm -hmm. it assesses everything at all times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can I jump in with a question um so something that we had talked about um on our first episode was like representation and I feel like family is kind of the first and most detailed representation we'll get as we grow up. Like you said, there's like this multi-directional learning that happens as you move from childhood to adulthood and, and there is learning on both sides. Um, and I, you know, you both talked about this, this idea of an independent black woman. And I wonder like, as you've curated your work and yourself, like, has there been a person or a representation that you've always upheld yourself to when trying to formulate your own version of the black woman like who you are as a black woman and like what kind of inspiration or learning traits or anything that you adopted growing up from your family or from your community that really kind of formed who you are today mm. and like how you define that for yourself as well like what is the black independent woman to you you know wonderful question <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pass the mic to you, Aisha. <laughs> oh shoot! I was like, Oh, you you is, want me to is that you, Asmira, to start? I'm like, man, that's... I, I could start us off, you know, but I'll be, I'll be doing my best to not be long winded. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of women who, it's like the wells that I'm constantly drinking from. It's 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 the constellation that I'm a part of actively in my life right now like at, at all times sort of my just my 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 sisters uh my my blood sisters and 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 called or or or, or chosen sisters um and and also though i'm i'm constantly sitting with 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 audrey lord she's someone that i'm constantly and alice walker um, Audre Lorde talks about in her essay, poetry is not a luxury. That's something I've I've been going back to and back to and back to, particularly in my formation at Harvard, where as an, uh, you know, as in my formative years in college, I studied visual and performing arts. And who was it? In any space that I've entered, whether it's spoken word or having this gig or that gig, it's always been black women who are opening these doors because black women <laughs> understand and see, uh, you know, what, what realities I'm sitting with are talking about in my in, in whatever I'm sharing <laughs> um, particularly around my own family and and we were we, I was just talking about this to a sister in Bible study we were a broken family and that's okay too <laughs> in terms of dysfunction and that's and that and that's just part of my story um, but I've been able to 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 look to bell hooks and to look to Audre Lord as as thinkers that are writing and theorizing their way through their pain 
su such that folks coming behind them might might be willing to to remember that they're not crazy that their anger matters audrey lord talks about um the uses of the erotic she talks about uses of anger right all of these things that we can often be told are um are not okay or that we need to they'll be hypersexualized, or they'll be hyper right um romanticized or you'll fall into there's just all these tropes that you're so quick to fall into but who has created the net for us to to, to hold our humanity and i'm like oh it's it is it is the writers and the thinkers and the mothers and the grandmothers um so i will pass the mic to asia um yeah um so the, the, you know okay so <laughs> i'm thinking about this question and i'm trying to think about i'm trying to recall me thinking about this question not as it being posed to me explicitly as a little girl but i'm realizing instinctually who is around me who's the most accessible folks around me it's my mom it's my aunties i mean shoot y'all my grandmother drove an 18-wheeler truck like <laughs> yes yes um and so just thinking about and also was like y'all gonna learn how to wash these baseboards hands and knees <laughs> like, all right you know maybe don't be a strong black woman when it comes to uh household chores that'd be nice if you were much more <laughs> lax about that right now um and so i also i just as a little girl i always wrote my like who do i look up to essays about my 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 oldest sister me and my middle sister we didn't really appreciate each other uh there's a lot of physical fights oh that's me and my younger sister yeah i don't know what it was i think <laughs> she didn't like that i stole her youngest person's spot and i was like boo i'm here I don't have to respect you. But my oldest sister felt like a junior mama to me. Um, and then she was one of the only, and still is, we have this joke, one of the few people that I know who knew what she wanted to do and did that and like didn't veer. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm gonna be an author. I'm gonna be an architect. I'm gonna be sports medicine. I'm gonna be a forensic pathologist. I'm gonna be something. And she's yeah. like, I wanna be a doctor. And she became a doctor. And um, so I think, just being surrounded by women like my mom hustled she had to do what she and I've been my mother I've been to my mom's college graduation mm. her master's degree graduation and her doctoral degree graduation wow. you know and sometimes I just think about that and reflecting on what was hard financially like why were you in school working and with four children like Hmm. who was holding that gun to your head nobody she needed to do that and so it's in the everyday and there are powerful more um a black women of renown and celebrity that also I'm like yo but I think about the very kind of in a quotidian sense the black women who filled my life like the teachers that I have one of my, the most impactful teachers I had in my k-12 schooling happen to be black women because their passion their discipline and their demand for excellence of everybody was like standard and i don't i didn't realize at the time that folks were not getting that mm. could go through school not getting that and so i also figure i know that i didn't get that necessarily from not most of my white male professor teachers and professors but so i just think about the 
the black women that I saw and how even unintentionally they were modeling excellence and at the same time also having grown up with my mother and like she and I have a beautiful relationship and I love how it's continued to morph as I become older it's like we can talk about a bit more candidly about what's the cost of having to have to be strong caretaker problem solver bread earner like all of those at that time and so that's why I understand that there is a fragility mm. to the strength or the strength is strong because of the fragility and the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But we get so caught up in celebrating, oh my God, all the things. Cause yo, all the things in the bio are outnumbered by the amount of times I'm curled up in a ball crying. Come on. <laughs> That's so but I cute. also have to value that that is, that is not a negative. That really informs the things that do, that I'm good at and that I advocate for but that's what we don't talk about. And so it's just celebrating all the accomplishments mm -hmm. and what that takes and how you've got to reshape that thing to make sure I have community, that I've got therapists, that I've got healthcare, that I get to tell people I'm not doing that because it doesn't pay enough. Mm -hmm. Like that, and then getting my heart broken. Like that's all part of that. So the strength is also tied to the vulnerability and the fragility. And so that's why I... um. I'm glad that the women that I saw are very real to me and I could also see what was on the other side of that cape. Thank you so much for saying that. I actually, at the start of, not the start, at some point, I think Michelle Obama released a podcast and she, in passing, said that she experienced low-grade depression and I don't think I've ever felt more like okay about the fact that it's been tough for me because it's like, when I see when I see myself curled up in a ball like that, I'm like, will I ever be the woman that I want to be? This really accomplished, you know, does everything woman. Mm -hmm. Will I ever achieve that? And, you know, hearing her say that, and then me also, actually, I wrote this line August 27th. I just found it while you were talking. And it was that, that strength and fragility are one of the same, that we are fragile and that is why we can be strong. Yeah. And like Boom. you just said that, and I, and I immediately thought of that line because it was such a transformative thing for me to believe in the midst of my depression that like fragility does not mean the lack of strength. It necessitates that if you are strong, strong that means that you are also fragile, that mm -hmm. they come together. Ooh, child. No, thank you. Look at that. I mean, folks can't see this, but I'm doing like the connection symbol because that thing resonates and to arrive at that point of realizing that also is transformative because I couldn't connect the two. Mm -hmm. And so I, I count that against me that like, yeah, everybody curates the hell out of what they put on their social media reels. <laughs> Even when people are putting their like, I'm keeping it real and crying. I'm like, what? brand of makeup do you wear when you cry because you look beautiful I look three shades of no when I cry like and so you know even having con candid conversations with my sisters like y'all yeah all that stuff is happening those those accomplishments but I'm not all right and they're like oh and so I, for me that's even more affirming just to hear you say that like I think women, women of color, women who are out here trying to do what we call the most, we have to also remind ourselves and each other that the most also means being most available to the to the softness, to the vulnerability. That's it's part of the strength. Bar and a half. The most also means being most available to that tender, quiet, soft, 
mm-hmm. that needs our attention. And I, 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 I so appreciate you saying that, Lemma, and, and this conversation, because I think it can be so easy to, a challenge that I've been working on with myself recently is, can I cry once a week? please it feels oh, well so listen <laughs> apparently i'm your surrogate crier because i'm over here with buckets all the time so i'm more than happy to loan you my tear ducts <laughs> that's that pisces that's <laughs> i am so pisces y'all it's, it's too much and you know what's funny is like my best friends are pisces like that's what like and it's so funny because right. it's like if i didn't have my pisces like sarah you know, she got me through grad school. She would remind me like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd be like, why are you sorry? And she's like, that, that must really hurt. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that hurts. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, oh, this is where I can let myself cry, you know? So it's like, it's just, it's so real. Sometimes we, 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 it's like that unlearning. I think for me, learning to be soft because I'm so used to, you know, and I got it, da, 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 da. and it's like, for who, for what? That's yeah. not going to sustain you, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it, it, sometimes it's that fear. If, well, if I open up the buckets, if I open up the floodgates, like, it ain't ever going, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, when will it stop, right? And, yeah. and I think that brings me back to the artistry, as you said, that it's a part of it, and it fuels, um, it, 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 it can fuel us if we let it, um, and, and I, I lean, uh, I want, I want to, you know, let you share uh, <laughs> and pass the mic to you. I know you're such a, a, a beautiful, deep listener. <laughs> and so, um, no pressure, but just know. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I see that a lot in my mother as well. Like my mom has been through years and decades of war and it was like nonstop watching her home and you know the middle east and the iraq and but she has she's the oldest of all her siblings and she's always the one that's trying to seem really strong and like stay positive and like and it hurts her because she you know you see it come out like in little little explosives like here and then and you know that like and I think it's a generational problem too. I think it's like the generations above us like really haven't found ways because they weren't given the space to process those that trauma and those emotions. Um, I actually want to bring it back, Aisha, to the different ways of knowing. Um, and I think you know one of my biggest issues as a researcher at Harvard, at you know these ivory tower institutions, is like when we go into these communities and we go into like global health spaces or underserved spaces, we sort of just like, there's sort of like this ivory tower savior complex, you know, of like, we know what is right. And we know what, like statistics are the only way of knowledge, data and the only way of knowledge. And I remember <laughs> I my favorite class at the School of Public Health was called Community-Based Engaged Learning or mm-hmm. Research. And it, it was just how we can incorporate these different ways of knowing. So like they took us, we went to Roxbury and we took like photos. And so we use photos as a, a way of knowledge or music or because like, who's to say that, you know, data and like statistics can't convey anything at the end of the day about a community. Um, so I would love to hear how you incorporate that more into, into your professional career. Yeah, listen, it's so beautiful to hear you like raise that point. And again, like I swear, it's taken me a minute to really I'll just say the other thing that's come to me in this this 
this time, this COVID-induced reflection, because I don't know if I would have done it on my own, um, is also working with this coach. She's like, stop saying you all over the place. Stop saying you all over the place. And so I, I use this um, metaphor of a constellation, right? And so if you're just looking at stars and not open to the fact that stars can be stars and just be beautiful and sometimes they are clustered together in a way so you can't take away one star from Orion's belt and it'd be Orion's belt and so thinking about how all the ways that I know um, how I make sense of the world and that when I walk into any space I have to remind myself that I still get to be a constellation. Like y'all might think that I'm supposed to just be these two stars, but all three of us are up in here. So you're going to get this Orion's belt. You're going to get this dipper. You're not going to just get like, that might be a shape over there by accident. And so it also goes back to like how I learned about the world. It's through that community. It's through those family engagement spaces. So everything that's been so powerful and actually long lasting is because it reflects how I engage the world. So I make sense of the world through movement, not just because I am a dancer. I dance, I move. It's hard for me to sit still, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't think that's like only to be reserved for a dance studio or for people who are um, performing on stage definitely that and at the other point like if I learned through movement through music through through chance so I just happened to go well seems like I've got a lot of good first-hand data about <laughs> just how essential music movement collectivity intergenerationality is mm -hmm. so I'm no longer willing to try to hold that out of the constellation of what makes me me mm -hmm. as a student as an educator as a facilitator and so I think because when I came to the graduate school of education as a student the beautiful thing is that I had already gone to grad school right out of undergrad so I could understand that life where you think you know something at 22 <laughs> you having good courses and thoughts are happening but you ain't been in the world yet so after I finished my first master's at 23 I was in the I was I was out here making up stuff finding things like learning like you didn't get the job you thought you were gonna get what are you gonna do um, you can't stop dancing what does this mean to try to like throw yourself into it full-time and because of that that led to those experiences and those opportunities to get commissioned to make work to be invited to go overseas uh, fulfilling the career that I thought I wanted as a US diplomat mm -hmm. but through dance through because of my work engaging youth to go overseas and to be able to engage communities through art um, having conversations about misogyny about violence prevention because of hip-hop because of youth engagement I'm like yo so the thing is Harvard and everyone else I understand these classes I'm here to just get caught up on some language not here to displace what I have known and have experienced because that is powerful data mm -hmm. my artistic process I guess if you were to put a, a academic term on it is inherently ethnographic mm -hmm. um, it involves dialogue it involves iteration it involves other voices and you know 
but I don't think of, I didn't, I'm not thinking from the academic frame. I'm thinking this is valid for artistic making process. And so all of that I'm saying is like my classes that I teach, the projects that I facilitate are spaces where of course, I think writing a 10 page paper is beautiful. 20, 50, 80, 120. I think that's sometimes excessive, whatever, but that's beautiful. And that's a skill, but that is not the only skill. It's not the only currency. It's not the only way to demonstrate, you know what you know. I've been in spaces with folks who we don't speak the same spoken language, but we are communicating, connecting quickly, powerfully and deeply because of this shared, and I say this in the most beautiful sense, primal tongue of movement of understanding rhythm, the call of the drum, be that an 808 or be that a djembe. <laughs> um, and so because I have been in the world for a minute, I was like, so I'm not gonna shut all of that off because I'm choosing to come to the academy to get some other type of currency. Ooh. So that's why I tell people all the time, it's just different types of currency. Ooh. You know, I can't spend a US dollar in Japan. Doesn't mean the dollar is useless doesn't mean the yen is useless. Got to have the right currency in the right place. Right. So wow. the Harvard currency transacts in some places. And some people like that I have that currency. But that doesn't mean I'm going to empty my wallet of Northside St. Louis ever. <laughs> ever. Because it's actually more powerful once I get in the door. <gasps> so I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> you to church? Church. Well, church is in my last name. You know, my grandfather what? was a preacher, so <laughs> we don't get it. Church. That's right. All right. Okay. I'm this up. But, you know, but like that's that that question, and also why like we're talking about stories. Like it is. I think it's so important for people not to zoom past, pun intended or not. You can pick that up. Not to zoom oh, past <laughs> the very story that you are living and making. It took me a while to appreciate that I am a constellation. I have this interest in international studies. I can't help but dance. I love working and teaching and learning. That doesn't match. Pick one, pick one. I'm like, I can't. And so it took me a while to be able to author that I'm not supposed to and that I can create a lane and it's actually not too hard and that there are other people who are lane makers, right? And road makers and path makers. And so because I have lived that, I feel like it would be highly hypocritical of me to get so hyped up about the currency of the ivory tower to then uh, hypocrit or hypocritically flip the script and ask students to lock off what they know about the world and how they know about it. So my classes intentionally make space for that in the way the assignments are designed and I'm always remixing them because I'm like, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel relevant, if it doesn't feel resonant, um, what does it cost me to go like, all right, well then do your assignment as a video. Like, what does it really cost me to do that? But what does it cost that person's humanity to feel like they can't bring them full, their full selves to their learning? That's way too expensive. So um, I'm here for bodies to be bodies. <laughs> Not these things we're trying to like hide, like we all got butts. It's just anatomy. You shake your shoulder, shake your butt. It's just anatomy. People eat chicken, people eat frogs. It's just a different type of type of flesh or tofu or TVP, whatever, you know, I eat it. So the different ways of knowing, um, I was very intentional in my application to come to Harvard. I'm here to like censor hip hop. I'm, I'm not gonna not move. And I'm grateful that there were other folks who 
have been supporters and advocates and allies as I've tried to create space that isn't about me and my DNA and like flexing. It's because I think if we're talking about teaching and learning, we need to be talking about these multiple ways of teaching, of learning, of knowing. And if some folks have been so privileged um, to, 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 send, to put out and publish all of these books that have become treatises on the multiple ways that people know, I'm like, yeah, um, that's still cute and all, but that doesn't come from an Africanist perspective. That doesn't come from an indigenous perspective. That doesn't come from a, from a, um, from, you know, a, a feminine perspective. And so, um, I teach like the black woman that I am. <laughs> I teach with joy. <laughs> you, you sure do listen, listen, because I'm, I'm like here trying to hold back this testimony. I, I think what's so, there's. I mean, the audience will, will can just already hear and feel the multiple ways that you are breaking or unleashing boxes. At least in my own life, I can say, coming to Harvard, it made sense to me why I was here once I took your class. And that's just it. I, I, it and that's, I, I mean that with everything in my being, because being here, it was so, after living in Brazil and seeing the world and then coming here, you know, whatever, just growing up and figuring a way out, than coming here and being like, hold up, like my lived experience is relegated to nada if I don't have this way of intellectualizing and like our Western conception of knowledge and what's valid is all up here. And it's like, I can see myself because I, I catch on, I'm a chameleon, so I can see myself mirroring that, but that's not really letting my soul be free or happy. So I, and, and you, what you said about the cost, what does it cost me? One, you said, if it's not right, relevant, and resonant, then what has to change? That 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 principle of adaptability, I think, is so. It's uh, I'm. Uh, I, I will talk for days about how seeing you in practice, in practice, doing that, it saves, it helps, it heals, it it reveals, it unpeels, it it brings to life that thing inside of us. And and I just shared your TED talk. Um, where you dive more deeply into the data and why dance is necessary in, in transformative learning. And so I, I just want to listen. <laughs> I, <laughs> Thank you. Like, <laughs> there is no words. And, and as, we, as we kind of talk more about currency, you, you've mentioned music in the beginning a little bit, and you talk about rhythm. And I'm wondering if you can talk uh, a little bit about um, music, the musicality or even just music that you're listening to right now to to get you through and and yeah, yeah and kind of dive a little bit more into that but whoo you just i'm like yeah oh. sorry also i should say that's I, I mean i say i'm the daughter of marcia and william y'all don't know like my my dad is a storyteller and i as i get older i i realize it's a gift to like when i have time just let him go and just listen and so i'm like yeah that's where that long windedness comes from but um okay so here's the thing about me and music. Um, I think because for so long when I was like, I'm gonna just be a dancer and figure it out, it meant I had to teach a whole lot. And it was at a time where it's like, I gotta keep up with what's current. And so there was always music, always music. At that point, the radio, like, you know, I don't know if people, you know, <laughs> the radio, there wasn't streaming. There was no, there was no like streaming. <laughs> I'm older, right? Um, and so, I love music, but then also what I realize is I need time when there, it's not playing so I can actually hear, mm. right? And sometimes I'm still in this, this fun balance of like, I can go days without listening. Okay, maybe two. I mean, okay, one. I can call, probably go one day where, where I'm not 
intentionally listening to music. Um, and so I love learning from other people what they're listening to. And I think particularly as an educator, like building a playlist with people, like we need connection. And since we can't touch and lean and high five, just getting a sense of what folks are listening to. It's like, I, I could bounce past that question back to you all. Um, but what I do know that has happened um, is, I mean, I like Rhapsody, I knew that, but for some reason I'm like, I, I'm really on like this black woman, everybody y'all welcome. And so her Eve album kind of just stays on loop Mm. for three days of the week. Um, I have been dialoguing, I feel like, with the spirit of Nina Simone Mm. um, since the quarantine started. Like one day I feel like she was in the room with me. Mm. Um, And so her music. Mm. um, And then I'm crazy about Missy Elliott. That Missy Elliott Pandora station, y'all. I don't know what type of fairy dust they put in that thing, but... I put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm not ready to meet Missy. She's not ready for me to meet her because I would need. She would need security. Like oh, I love her. Yeah, that's gonna be a whole nother birth of a new constellation. I could die after that day. <laughs> <laughs> we know that's happening. That is in the works. It's already done. Yeah, I pointed out. I'm like, people, help me meet Missy. Um, so yeah, some Missy, some some Nina, and some Rhapsody. Mm. That's a sick mixtape. Look, and Lean Lean had us, she had that idea about creating a mixtape, you know, as we iterate on this project. Totally. And she, and, 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 and the mixtape is what your, that, that was what your class project was. You had us create a slideshow termed as a mixtape and said, let's excavate our relationship to hip hop. And that undid things for me. And that is tied to what, you know, what is who I am and understand myself to be in this moment. And so to see how you mix the mixtape and the, the manifestations of what that can look like. Chicka, chicka, chicka. <laughs> it's so powerful, you know? And just to, to, to lift up another black woman who Lean put me on to actually, I was listening to Broken Promises by Drea Janor. I don't know how to say her name well. Y'all should definitely build that community playlist. <laughs> yeah, Wait. it's in the works. Uh, I think we're 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 just about arriving at the hour, and it's hard to believe because it feels like we just got started, and we could just keep talking. You know, sorry, I, so, I speak so much. You no, know, oh, listen, you've done no apologies at all. <laughs> you have just elevated um, our spirits. Um, I know I can talk for myself from here. It's like I feel rejuvenated. I feel like you you have just invited us so kindly back into your classroom, and I think that's just how you move in the world. Is the world is your classroom. The world is, you know, is is your oyster you're learning from and you're um, emitting and you're giving back out. And so I just want to thank you so much for, you know, being with us and, um, you know, and, and, and really for sharing ways that you, that, that you, that you have breaking, you have breaking, you continuing to break all the boxes and just living thank in your you. truth. And, and, and lighting a, a path for those, you know, who come alongside and behind, you know, and honoring those before. Um, and I feel like I'm walking right there in that tradition of, of, of you have opened up a lane and I'm so grateful to, to be in, in the receiving end of that. So I just want to thank you for your time and, and pass the mic if Lean or Lemma have anything to say before we call it a day. <laughs> Yeah, I just also, this was amazing. And I'm so happy we got to talk to you. It's been such a privilege. Um, 
I hope I get to, you know, maybe go back to Harvard and take one of your, your course and, and meet you in person sometime. Yeah, me too. I hope to meet everybody in person. Right. Yeah, I want to say both tender and like powerful conversation, like just kind of walking that line. It just feels really real and rejuvenating as well. Like again, just, you know, trying to compartmentalize what it looks like to be successful and like during such a tough time and like, how do you bring joy into your life? And so I love that that is always at the center of your conversation during our last hour. I think trying to find joy in just the moment is probably the only thing we have going for us after this year. And like, I, and so I don't know, like this, everything you said, even though it didn't necessarily speak to this exact point, made me come back to this exact conclusion over and over again. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I love being left with that powerful image in the story. Um, and I think that joy is never too basic to return to, it's, it's essential. Um, and that joy is not as ephemeral as happiness. That's what I've had to learn over the past year. Plus joy was my intentional word for 2019. Mm. There's always a word, whether I mean to set it or not, but that came to me and I'm glad that the seed was planted because it's been flowering this year. But mm. I, I think also with that in all of these times and just to say like, uh, it's okay to be agitated, frustrated and all the things, but I am not fueled by my frustration and agitation. I'm okay to be um, pushed by it. But the fuel is joy and the fuel is love because if any of the things that I'm committed to can reflect back the love and the joy that I felt in those tender times as a young person. And, um, and if I wanna be radically imaginative around what we are striving and fighting for, joy and love have to water it. Mm. frustration and agitation are not meant to be fuel and are not meant to be fertilizer mm. like so I'm so thankful that you remind all of us that it it all does if it ain't tied to joy then we better inspect what it's tied to mm. um and that doesn't lessen the urgency and the realness and the anxiety and yet joy so I have been fed by you all, um, Lemma and Lean. You all have amazing radio voices. I'm like, can you all edit me to sound as good as you? <laughs> but thank you all for this opportunity to to affirm joy, sisterhood, collegiality, solidarity um, through this through this uh, this time together today. Ashe, the gratitude abounds, sis. And I think that wraps up our third episode. And, and it's what a divine number. I'm set. Listen, <laughs> the Holy Trinity, the three up church, just up the level, up the ante in the church, brought the joy, you know, calling us in to be coy and serious. We can do both. We can, we can stay curious. Okay. <laughs> First. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening to Break, Bo Break the Boxes, Stories. This is Lemma. I'm Neen. And I'm Azmira. And you're listening on WMBR 88.1. Maybe you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? 
When everything goes wrong, you see some bad. But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. 